I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening. Pest control, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plant care, garden design and container ideas. Plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the team of horticultural advisors based here at the RHS Garden, Wisley and Surrey. Coming up in this edition... Troubleshooting tips for the veg patch from RHS experts. A pond for any place. How to create stunning water features in containers that will fit every garden, balcony or roof terrace. No digging required. And I'll pick of the top performing seasonal plants. The RHS Summer Flower Shows across the UK are a fantastic opportunity to enjoy gardening at its best. They're packed full of inspiring garden designs, stunning plants from international growers to admire and buy. Plus, experts share their tips and techniques to help you improve your skills. There's still time to buy tickets to the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show, the world's largest flower show, from the 8th to the 13th of July. Visit rhs.org.uk forward slash Hampton Court. In June, we visited the RHS Floral Pavilion at BBC Gardeners World Live at the NEC in Birmingham to find out what jobs the award-winning nursery people in the floral marquee are tackling this month. David Hurrian. Uh, Deputy Editor of Gardener's World magazine. At the end of June, I'm really thinking that I ought to be picking things like strawberries and my first raspberries as well are actually coming into fruit. And I'm, it's just such an incredibly early season that I'm doing stuff that I wouldn't normally be doing at the end of June. Uh, but I'm still mowing. I'm still pruning. I'm doing, starting my summer pruning at the moment. Uh, so I'm starting to prune my fruit trees a bit earlier than I would normally. Um, and I'm deadheading with a with a vengeance because all my bedding plants and all my border perennials and everything are looking shabbier at this time of year than they normally are because they're they're ahead of the game. So in order to keep the succession going and to keep things flowering and coming on, I'm going round and chopping their heads off. The one thing that I think everybody should do at the moment is to ventilate their greenhouse. I think if you can get more air circulating, you'll cut down on the amount of uh, pests and diseases that you get uh, and you'll get much better crops. My name's Gemma Greenwood and I'm from Glens Gardens Gems east, in East Yorkshire near Witherency. At the end of June we always tend to start chopping back the daffodil bulbs and getting ready to chop back the alliums. Any what are starting to just go over and finish seeding we chop them down ready for drying out the bulbs so in, in about a month's time we'll be looking to dig up the allium bulbs and dry them out ready for selling. 
Um, now we're our most popular varieties, Echinacea. We grow about 128 varieties, me and my fiance at the nursery, and we're trying to get a few extra in, but no, basically we're getting ready to grow the Echinacea, get them all into flower, and ready for selling on the rest of the show season, which, yeah, ready for the autumn. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jeff Rowe. I'm from Trewidden Nursery in Penzance, Cornwall. Well, one of the key things gardeners ought to be doing end of, end of this month is obviously planting all the plants they've bought all these lovely garden shows. It's no good to buy a, buy a lovely plant, take it home, stick it on the doorstep and forget it and kill it. Take it home, put it in the garden or in a pot um, and, and look after it, otherwise it's just a waste of money. You can find out more tips and advice and video guides to seasonal tasks in the garden on the gardening pages of the RHS website. That's rhs.org.uk forward slash gardening. RHS flower shows are fantastic places to get practical ideas for new garden features. One of the stands attracting the attention of many visitors in the RHS floral pavilion at BBC Gardeners World Live this month was Waterside Nursery's stunning display of pond plants and their novel container ponds. Miniature water features in giant bowls that can be placed on patios, on balconies and in gardens big and small. Hi, I'm Linda. I'm the owner of Waterside Nursery in Sharnford from Leicestershire. A container pond from us is a fibreglass container which will withstand frost and ice but that you can fill with water because we've had them made without drainage holes and this allows them to survive through winter and bring water plants into a small garden space. Sometimes we find that people will put these on a patio, other times they'll hide them down the bottom of a garden in perhaps a difficult shady spot but once you've got one of our containers in one of the strong colour finishes, you'll find that that becomes a feature in its own right. But then in the summer, when the plants grow, they will actually start to give you a whole new identity in that area because you can get plants for shady spots, like the structural grasses and seed heads, as much as you can for the sunny spots, like choosing water lilies and iris to, to plant with. So they're actually good for either shady or sunny spots, uh, dependent on how you want to use them. So, once you've decided whether you want one for a sunny site or a shady site, probably the next thing you need to think about is which colour and uh, size you want, because we particularly do two sizes, a 60 centimetre, or two foot in old money and an 80 centimeter which is just short of three foot it's 32 inches so if you find that the space is is a little bit restricted then the 60 centimeter might be good enough but if you if you can it's always good to see more water than less because water gives such an extra vibrancy when you have the reflections on it so allowing yourself a little bit more is always a good thing. So size-wise, that's the choice. Um, colour-wise, you can go from anything from subtle to really strong colour-wise. And that will then allow you to make the difference between perhaps a more subtle-looking sun and a brighter, stronger look for the shade. So if you were looking for a collection of plants for a sunny site, for instance, uh, there are two ways of doing this. Either using our existing planting schemes, um, which are available on the website. We've numbered these A to J, 
which means that five of them are for the small container, five for the large. The sunny ones always have a water lily in them. Now these water lilies are tiny. Each water lily for the miniature pond is probably no bigger in flower than an inch across. So you could have a tiny yellow, a tiny white, or a tiny pink water lily. And the whole plant of this water lily will not spread wider than a plate. So less than a dinner plate in size. But this gives you some surface cover and certainly that exquisite little flower that will sit on the top of the water. Now, in every container you need an oxygenating plant because that keeps the water fresh. So that will be dropped down into the base of the pond. Um, you don't necessarily see it ever again, but it is there for a purpose. So each of our schemes would always include an oxygenating plant. Hornwort, Ceratophyllum demersum, or spiked milfoil, Myriophyllum. They look almost like baby's bottle brushes or little weeds underneath the water. Lots of foliage for each plant so that they have lots of area for transfer of the oxygen through to the water. Other things that might grow in a sunny situation would be water iris. Now I'd probably steer away from the Pseudochorus, the big yellow flag. It's a native. It can be a really good doer but actually too vigorous and too tall for the little containers. So I would aim for one of the versicolor iris. So that's the American native. It's about two foot tall, 60 centimeters. Flowers are generally purples and plums, whereas the Pseudochorus, our natives, are usually yellows and versions of. In terms of maintenance for these on an annual basis, you need to be careful not to allow the foliage to rot down into the water. So that's much the same as a large pond. We don't want a compost heap at the bottom of the container. But it's easy to pick at different leaves as you see them failing because you can actually reach right the way across. You don't have to get your wellies on to actually do any maintenance. So it's so much easier to actually maintain one of these than a larger pond. So looking after them is really a question of keeping the rotting vegetation down and adding extract of barley straw through the spring and summer months. In spring you can use one of the 10 mil measures once a fortnight. In summer when the weather's hot I would increase that to use it weekly because as the water warms so algae has more chance to grow. Then in autumn again you can reduce to once a fortnight. But the extract of barley straw is the well-known organic barley straw product but in concentrated liquid form so you don't have to have a lump of barley sitting in the top of what would otherwise be your very pretty small miniature pond so that's the ideal product for helping maintain and avoid green water algae linda smith from waterside nursery i'm tony dickerson and you're listening to the rhs gardening podcast if you haven't already, remember to register on the newly updated RHS website. We have exclusive content for RHS members, from special podcasts and videos to in-depth articles, as well as plenty of free information, updated advice profiles, design tips and plant information such as the RHS plant selector. Just sign in and register at the top of the RHS web pages. 
Another useful way to select plants for your garden is by looking for those displaying the RHS Award of Garden Merit, the AGM. Plants that carry this award have been assessed in a number of categories by our experts and are recommended by the RHS as being the best for all-round performance, an invaluable tool for gardeners. Each month on the RHS Gardening Podcast, Phil Clayton from the RHS magazine for members, The Garden, brings you his pick of the AGM plant lists. Here's his selection for June. Best plant I've chosen this month is a wall shrub. It's Solanum crispum glasnevin. Um, this is quite a distinctive plant. Uh, it's an evergreen, and it's actually a member of the potato family. And you can see this quite clearly when it when it flowers. The blooms have got um, five sort of distinct petals to them. They're starry, and they're a sort of mauvey purple colour with a central yellow eye, which is quite similar to a potato flower. But these particular blooms are born in clusters and they appear in, in huge quantities in, on a well-grown plant um, in May, June and July, even later on in the season. It's quite a vigorous shrub. It's semi-evergreen, so in a mild winter it will retain its leaves. And it grows very, very quickly. So once it's established, it will grow away you know, really well and really strongly. It doesn't like a really cold position. It would like somewhere uh, with plenty of sun and somewhere well-drained and somewhere fairly dry. It's quite drought-resistant, in fact, so a good choice for a dry garden. It doesn't really get much in the way of pest or disease. Occasionally you get a bit of black fly on the flower heads, but that's really about it. Uh, and it's certainly an attractive thing. And It looks really lovely with climbing roses. Uh, perhaps a pink climbing rose growing through it would look really appealing. My second Award of Garden Merit plant for June is lettuce little gem. This is a cos lettuce and it's a really good one for the smaller garden or even a container or a small raised bed. Um, Very very easy to grow and it has a particularly sweet flavour and uh, crispy texture. It's quite well known and it's it's well known because it's a reliable cultivar. The heads are quite small, they're quite solid when they grow and the leaves are a, a good healthy green and slightly puckered. What makes it an AGM plant really is the fact that it's resistant to root aphid and uh, is just generally reliable and easy easy to grow. Give it a fertile, fairly moist position and give it plenty of sun. It doesn't want to be anywhere in shade as, as with most, most salad veg uh, and it will perform really well. You can sow it sort of in, in situ or you can sow it in mod- modules and plant it out. It's up to you and it, you can even use it as a cut and come again vegetable. Phil Clayton from the RHS members' monthly magazine, The Garden. You can find details of all the plants on the AGM lists on the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash AGM plants. Now that summer's well and truly with us, here are some attraction events coming up around the UK in the coming weeks. Come to RHS Garden Rosemore on the 28th and 29th of June for an iris weekend, including a walk around the garden's iris collection and two talks on both days on these beautiful garden plants. There's also a great selection of irises to buy in the plant centre. Here at RHS Garden Wisley, come to flavour some Fridays from 1.30 to 3.30pm throughout July and August. Taste some of the fruits of Wisley, plus pick up handy tips from the Wisley Fruit Team on growing your own. On the 4th of July and the 8th of August, join special guest James Wong to taste some of the unusual crops he's been growing for a new RHS book. As I said earlier, remember to come to the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show 8th to 13th of July to see the famous nurseries and designers exhibiting the best of plants and show gardens. There are a number of new features this year such as the 50 Golden Years, a celebration of Britain in bloom. 
and the RHS Invisible Gardens, highlighting the wonders of an unseen world of vital microscopic life. The manager of the show, Dave Green, spoke to us down the line from Hampton Court Palace to tell us some of the highlights of the upcoming show. Uh, my name's Dave Green. I'm the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show Manager and this is my first full year in charge of the show and I'm really excited about what we've got in store at this year's show. Um, we've still got the three zones that we introduced in 2013, um, the Inspire, the Grow and the Escape Zone. Throughout the show there's, there's really sort of something for everybody. Over in the Grow Zone it's bursting with plants and flowers from all over the world um, there's our floral marquee and the plant village where you can buy plants to take home, take a piece of the show home with you. And this year in the Grow Zone, we've got a First World War commemoration feature. So the scarecrows are going to be there themed on the First World War. And the poppy factory from Richmond are coming so show visitors can make poppies. And we're going to have a trenches feature as well, celebrating vegetable growing and commemorating the First World War. In the escape zone, there's sort of something for everybody. We've got the roses and floristry marquee themed on the cir- with a circus theme. And uh, new this year, we've got some fantastic RHS features. Um, there's a Britain in Bloom feature celebrating 50 years of Britain in Bloom. And the RHS science team are doing a brand new exhibit called the RHS Invisible Garden, which will allow show visitors to explore the unseen world of the garden through microscopes and big screens and lots of different activities, all all inside a, a, a large marquee. In the escape zone as well, we've got our growing taste marquee and cookery theatre, and uh, we've got a great programme of cooks and demonstrations in the cookery theatre, including uh, Mary Berry on Thursday and James Wong in there on Wednesday talking about all all sorts of exciting edibles. So the programme in there really is something to make sure you don't miss. And the last zone at the show is the Inspire Zone. It's packed full of the latest gardening trends and the innovations and new contemporary products. And over in this zone, that's where the conceptual gardens are. And also we've got a new feature this year, uh, a turf sculptures feature. So we're we're getting people from around the horticultural industry to come along and, and create unusual and interesting shapes out of soil and turf. So something that's not really been done at the RHS shows before. So that should be great. And in the Inspire Zone as well, the RHS Celebrity Theatre is packed full of interesting celebrities to give you some advice and inspire you to get out there and garden. As well as all the other features at the show, especially at the weekend, the show is, is packed full of extra children's activities. So this year... Around the showground, we've got hands-on stations where people can have a go at floristry, uh, garden design and horticulture. And these will have specially tailored activities for children. And there's also our scarecrow competition themed on the World War I centenary. And in the Growing Taste Cookery Theatre at the weekend, the Kids Cookery School is going to be doing demonstrations where children can learn about growing and healthy eating and, and join in and have a bit of a go. And over in the escape zone, we've, this year we've got a brand new village green with a bandstand and deck chairs, hanging baskets. So the, the show's packed full of different features and there's something for everyone in the family. For more information and to buy tickets, go to rhs.org.uk forward slash Hampton Court. 
Plus, you can now find out all you want to know about the show direct from your phone, wherever you are, with the free RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show iPhone app. Including find out what gardens, plant nurseries or trade stands are close by, and full details on exhibitors. You can also buy tickets for any RHS show and lots more. Visit rhs.org.uk forward slash Hampton app. And, as always, full details of all these events and more on the RHS website. And finally, a visit to the kitchen garden. As June draws to a close, many types of fruit and veg will be ready for harvesting. Others are revealing worrying problems. Now is the time to take action to try and protect your crops and nip developing problems in the bud. Oliver Wilkins leads the fruit, veg and herb team here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. So the fruit and veg gardens are cropping really heavily at the moment, which is really fantastic. We've got big crops of strawberries, raspberries... Uh, that we're harvesting at the moment and we're looking forward to harvesting our blueberries and our gooseberries in the next couple of weeks which is fantastic Uh, we've got nice successions of lettuce coming through in the veg garden and also we'll be looking to harvest our first potatoes in the next couple of weeks which is great those are the first earlies that we planted uh, at the end at around the period of march april so that's really exciting and uh, yeah it's looking really promising so one question that we've had asked quite frequently is what's wrong with my garlic that seems to be quite a common problem because rust this year has been real a real problem and the garlic rust that people are encountering is the same rust that you'll find on leeks and that you'll also find on things like chives so um, it's been a really bad year and our garlic in the veg garden has been severely affected As a domestic gardener, there is nothing that you can really do to stop it. So you've got two choices, really. You either leave it in the ground and hopefully it will fight it off as best it can and you water it and you look after it as best you can, or you remove it. But importantly, if you're going to grow leeks after your garlic, then think about taking them out beforehand. Don't plant them in the same place. And also make sure that you get rid of any debris and dispose of it perhaps in general waste as opposed to composting it, which is really important. So that's a common problem that we've had. So sweet corn is becoming increasingly popular uh, with people who are just getting into Grow Your Own. Um, It's a great crop uh, because children love it, so people can associate with it easily. And it's very easy to grow. Traditionally, you grow it in blocks of, say, 9 by 9 sweet corn. But if you've got a smaller patch, then you can try a smaller area. Sweet corn is wind pollinated so if you don't if you're in a sheltered position or if you're only growing a, a small amount then simply go around and tap each of the canes uh, to try and spread the pollen um, and hopefully that will ensure that you get adequate pollination adequate fruit essentially because it is a fruit and just beware of badgers <laughs> watering and feeding is really important at this time of year the more you water the more you feed the greater the crop that you'll get and the better quality it will be as well so with things like strawberries we're watering every day or every other day and we're feeding at least twice a week and the same should be with um, tomatoes Um, we're feeding with a high potash feed so something like tomato feed is ideal for things anything that's fruiting at this time of year strawberries gooseberries raspberries tomatoes cucumbers aubergines anything that's developing fruit a high potash feed is perfect so feed regularly water regularly and you should get a much tastier much nicer much better developed fruit well if you're growing anything in any form of container uh, be that a grow bag or a pot or anything else then you need to be more attentive when it comes to watering Um, so ideally you'll have planted your 
uh, plants into uh, compost which has some slow release fertilizer but I would also be applying liquid fertilizer on top of that and again I would be applying liquid fertilizer at least once or twice a week um, depending on the crop if you've got fruiting crops then a high potash feed if you've got leafy crops then a balanced general fertilizer will be fine so something to mix in with your watering can and in this weather we've got about 25 degrees today you need to be out every day uh, at least once a day sometimes checking twice a day uh, to make sure that you um, your plants aren't flagging and it's always best to water before 10 a.m in the morning to make sure that the plants are taking up the greatest amount of moisture that they can at the moment we are going through the process of fruit thinning and fruit thinning is a really really important process it's the process whereby you're removing any damaged fruit any diseased or dying fruit or or fruit that's decaying uh, and we're going through our apples our pears and our plums thinning out the crop and the reason behind this is because if you don't thin out the crop if you leave the crop you'll end up with lots of little small and undersized fruits if you thin out you'll end up with better quality fruits you won't end up with the, mo- the most amount of quantity but the quality will be improved so as a general rule with things like dessert apples you want to be going down to two fruitlets for every palm's width so if you work along the tree with that principle that should be fine uh, with plums you're looking to do one fruitlet for every palm's width uh, and for things like um, cooking apples then you may go even further it may be one fruit for every palm and a half or something like that the natural process the natural inclination is to leave as much fruit on the tree as possible if you leave the fruit on the tree you'll end up with more disease problems because you won't be removing the plants that are perhaps suffering from maybe they've got pest infection or maybe they've got disease damage so you'll end up with blemished fruit at the end of the season you'll potentially especially on your stone fruit on your plums and gauges you'll end up with broken branches because they can be really prone to overcropping so i've known it on a number of occasions you leave the tree alone you think what a wonderful crop and at the end of the year just before you're about to harvest a whole branch comes down and uh, you can still get the fruit but it's not good for the tree so it is a process that is against our nature but as an example of how we're thinning our plums at the moment we're removing about two-thirds of the crop so it's really worth doing and it's really beneficial and don't be afraid of doing it all the produce that we produce at Wisley gets sent to our caterers, the Taste of Wisley team. So this morning I've delivered cucumbers, lettuce, raspberries. I've sent strawberries down, hybrid berries, tayberries, blackberries. And they turn that all into either fresh produce that they supply to our visitors or they make it jams out of it, etc. We, of course, also have our orchard and our vineyards. We make our own wine, we make our own cider, apple juice, pear juice. And we make a selection of our own jams, which we sell in the shop as well so it is all hands to the deck at this time of year we're harvesting madly we're getting as much down to the caterers as possible and they are trying to process it as quickly as possible at this time of year if you're coming to wisley gardens if you're in one of the catering outlets more than likely you'll be uh, experiencing some of the crops that we've grown in the garden oliver wilkins as always you can find out more information and advice on our website rhs.org.uk forward slash gyo We're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson, and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 